So I'm just starting off, about to record this episode right now, and I've got my friends hitting me up, wanting to play a little Call of Duty, and I have the urge to play, but I am a little bit tired. But guess what? We're going to power through, and they're going to wait because the podcast is most important. And coming up on episode 122 of This Week in Sports, we are going to recap week 12 in the NFL. We'll preview week 13. We'll go over our newest segment on this show, which is the pick segment. See who came out on top. I've got three brand new picks. Nick's got three brand new picks. And Priyank has three brand new picks to debut on uh, this show for week 13. So we'll get to that. We will go over some college hoops action as they that is in full swing now. College football, I've got a couple picks for you there. And we'll talk some NBA action a couple weeks out. Training camp is starting up. Uh, we had some big uh, moves in the NBA, big trade, big, big time trade. And am I missing anything? Oh, yeah. And tomorrow night, we've got a monster boxing match for any of my boxing fans. All that and much more. Catch it in one minute. Listening to this week in sports. Here's your host, the Pody. What's going on? This is the Pody. And I'm excited for today's show. It's nearly midnight here on the East Coast. I never do episodes this late. If it's usually this late, I will wait till Saturday mornings or Saturday afternoons, but not today because guess what, guys? Um, The reason I'm doing this so late is because the degenerate that I am, my brother hits me up earlier today and he says, let's go bet on Rutgers. We have to drive to PA to do so, but he saw Rutgers at as 11 and a half point underdogs at home against a one in five Penn State team, a Penn State team coming off of their only victory on the season, beating a bad Michigan team that, of course, Rutgers lost to in overtime a couple weeks ago. So I'm feeling great about this. We just drove down to PA about th- literally like 30 minutes away from where we live here in central Jersey. Drove down to PA, um, didn't even get out of the car, just had to cross over the border, jumped on DraftKings, got Rutgers at plus 11 and a half, okay? It was minus 112, but because I'm such a degenerate and I love betting on college football, I've been really successful so far this season. Can't say the same for the NFL, but that's a story for later. I jumped on Ohio State as well, piggybacked off the Rutgers bet, parlayed both of them, got really good odds, like plus 259. I'm taking Ohio State minus 23 and a half and Rutgers plus 11 and a half. Parlay that, threw 50 bucks on it to win, um, I think like 129. So I'm feeling really good about those two bets, but that's part of the reason why I am starting up this podcast so late. Another reason is my brother because he was placing the bet while he was pretty much driving, um, we really didn't uh, pay attention to where he was going, and he drove 10 minutes out of the way, so then had to turn around. He ended up grabbing food at not one, but two fast food joints, um, a McDonald's and then a local place around here by Rutgers. And yes, I do live that close to Rutgers that we were literally uh, right there in the heart of Rutgers at a... Uh, wing place called wings over Rutgers shout out to them. But anyway, um, I digress back to sports. That's what this show is all about. Let's 
Let's uh, dive right in. We'll recap the weekend real quick, some headlines, some notables, and we start with the Broncos. This was announced very late after my podcast. Unfortunately, this was one of Nick's three uh, three picks. It was his three-point pick. He was taking the Broncos at like plus six, I think it was, against the Saints. And they, they do have a formidable home field advantage. Playing there in Denver is a little bit tough. Can't say the same with COVID. But... Can't knock the pick until it comes out that the Broncos had to play this game without a quarterback. Literally, they had to put a practice squad wide receiver who was a former quarterback as their quarterback because they failed to uh, properly um, follow the COVID rules. The Broncos quarterbacks, um, I believe it was um, I, I one of the quarterbacks for the Broncos tested positive and the other quarterbacks here, Drew Locks, all these guys, um, Blake Bortles, et cetera, they apparently didn't have their masks on or pulled down, and they were in close proximity, so they had to then quarantine, not eligible to play. The NFL has moved games left and right throughout the season, but decided, you know what, we're not moving this game because, because well, joke's on you. Got to hydrate here. Uh, sorry. So literally... The Broncos played with a practice squad wide receiver, quarterback turned wide receiver, and well, it went about as poorly as expected. The four-win New York Giants, they took sole possession of first place in the NFC Least Division. I refuse to call it the NFC East anymore, calling it the NFC Least Division. Jake Paul with the knockout herd round the world. Just straight beast moded it. Beast moded it. No, he went beast mode on former NBA dunk champ Nate Robinson. And I mean, you know, just knocked him out cold. Just an absolute disaster there. Um, if you are Nate Robinson, uh, just one of those, it's one of those things that you'll never escape. Talk all that smack, all that, you know, all that trash talk. Get into the ring and like a minute into the second round, you get hit in that button, that chin. And I mean, he was out for like three to five minutes on that mat. So, man, oh man, Jake Paul, he's now like, what, 3-0? and uh, He's a beast. And listen, he's a social media celebrity, influencer, blogger, vlogger, you know, YouTuber, whatever you want to call him. This dude has some serious fighting skills. Like, no joke, he really does. Oh, and uh, not to mention, last but certainly not least, my New York Jets, they lost again, now 0-11. And, and, you know, typical. typically Adam Gase still has a job as a head coach in this league. All right, we are officially going to start with the NFL. I could go a couple different ways here, but we're going to start with week 12 of the NFL. Let's begin with me coming to the realization, realization, because that's what it is. I, I absolutely came to the realization that betting on the NFL during a pandemic is just a great way to throw money down the toilet because that's what I've been doing. It didn't start out this way, and that's what's so frustrating for me is that things started off well throughout the beginning of this you know, season and throughout really the pandemic. I was doing well, betting on baseball, everything. Um, it was going well, but it's not going well as of late. It's really been a disaster. Um, really, it started back when the Chiefs failed to cover against the Raiders about two weeks ago. Um, I chalked that up to bad luck. I, like most, underestimated the Raiders. You know, they were sitting, I think, like 6-3. and three. Uh, Then going into this past weekend, week 12, I decided not to underestimate the Raiders anymore. I was not going to be fooled by that, you know. Um, stupid, stupid me was I wrong. Uh, not only did the Raiders not cover, you guys know they got torched 43-6. to by the Falcons, yes, the same Falcons 
that fired Dan Quinn weeks ago. Although, shout out Raheem Morris, four and two, since he's taken over there. Far cry from his days um, coaching the Cardinals. But instead of going with the obvious pick, the obvious pick being the Packers over the Bears because they won 41 to 25, I laid money on the Raiders and the Seahawks. Now, let me explain something. I know a lot of people are upset because the Seahawks ended up not covering that six and a half. I lowered the line to four and a half, but I had over, I parlayed it with over 44 and a half points. I thought for sure Seattle and Philly would combine for 45 points. And you know what, guys? They didn't do it. They couldn't even do it. So I smartly enough lowered the line to four and a half, and I still couldn't get a win out of this. That's what's so frustrating um, for me because I, I just I can't catch a break. Everything's been so close. And you know it's bad. You really know it's bad when I'm like doing these alternate spreads because I've been doing those a lot and I'm still not winning. Uh, and yeah, I feel really bad for that guy that bet 500K on the Seahawks to cover that spread and lost it because of a two-point conversion. Um, to make matters worse, I took the over 56, I believe it was, or 55, I think I needed 56, in the Chiefs and the Bucks game. I felt amazing in the first after the first quarter. Tyreek Hill and Patrick Mahomes uh, just lights out. They put up 17 points in the first quarter alone. And do you know they only put up 10 more points the rest of the way after that? Just, I mean, you can't make this stuff up. The Bucs, I, I root for them. I wanted them to win this game. They, valiant effort, came back down 17-0, cut it to three, uh, but they lost by three. And you know what? That's another tough luck loss because anybody that bet the Chiefs minus three and a half, well, guess what? They That hook got you. They did not win this game by three and a half. They only won by three. So just another really, really brutal one there. Um, and then, stupidly enough, I bet a Wednesday afternoon Steelers and Ravens game. That was my three-point pick. I thought for sure the Steelers would cover, but it turned out that not practicing for about a week did not help either team. Um, of course, the Ravens have the excuse nine starters out, including... Lamar Jackson, their MVP quarterback, no Mark Ingram, no J.K. Dobbins, uh, no Mark Andrews, no um, Willie Sneed. I mean, like I said, nine starters in total. The Steelers, all they were missing was uh, center Mar Marquise Pouncey and John Connor. They're, they're starting running back. But surely you would have thought they'd, they, they'd blow them out in this one. And I did. Uh, I knew... Right up until game time, going back and forth, I knew I was overthinking this. I knew I should just steer clear and not bet a Wednesday afternoon game, even though all signs pointed to the Steelers dominating, right? So, of course, what do I do? I parlay, just like in the Seahawks game, I parlay the Steelers minus 6.5 and, and over 32.5. I wanted a guarantee victory, so I dropped this line to 32.5 thinking no-brainer, right? Well, guess what? Up until the last two minutes, they weren't going to hit the over. Steelers were going to cover. I was going to lose because they weren't going to get to the over. Well, they bring on Trace McSorley because, because guess what? RG3 had a bit of a hammy issue from earlier in the game. So they're like, game over. Let's bring on Trace McSorley. And Trace McSorley scrambles to the right, throws a pass right at Minka Fitzpatrick, excuse me, and the pass should 100% be intercepted, but this is why Minka plays defense, not offense, drops it. Not long after that play, Trace McSorley throws a pass to Hollywood Brown. It's just misplayed. He comes back and catches it and takes it to the house, 70 yards to the house. And the Steelers don't cover the 10 and a half. The right, I needed six and a half. They didn't even cover the regular spread. I, I mean, you cannot possibly, you you just can't make this stuff up. I mean, I, I don't understand how 
they don't cover this spread. It made no sense to me whatsoever. And I'm just, I'm floored. I'm absolutely floored. And I'm sorry if my voice is starting to sound different. I wasn't liking what I was hearing in my headphones at least twice now. So I did make a slight change on my universal control here. So if my voice does sound different, I do apologize. I'm going to try to get this cleaned up eventually. But uh, yeah, so uh, again, like this was ugly, guys. I mean, these picks were really, really ugly. And I I'm not too sure where to go from here, to be honest, other than, like I said, um, not betting the, the NFL anymore. Uh, and just one quick thing about the Steelers game that really ticked me off is that all, all day long, I wanted to bet the Steelers minus four and a half, the over the 32 and a half, and the Ravens plus 24 and a half. And apparently, I bet this game on FanDuel. FanDuel didn't let me bet both spread bets. So instead, what I did was, instead of adding a third leg to this, which I so desperately wanted to bet Gus Edwards to score a touchdown, which he did, it was plus 195, and I'm kicking myself for not taking that. But I ended up, like you heard, I, I, went, I ended up, because I wanted good odds still, so I raised it to six and a half, and I'm hearing a lot of freaking crackling in my headphones, and I don't know what that is, if that's my voice or not. But um, I put it to six and a half, and then I went over 32 and a half. And it's just, it was a mess. It, it didn't hit. And, you know, we're in, <laughs> we're, we're in the situation that we're, you know, of course, currently in right now. Um, so that's, you know, that's where it stands as of right now. Um, bleeding money left and right, thanks to the NFL. And where we go from here, not quite sure. Try to pick ourselves up, dust ourselves off, and and just really try to try to move on um really pissed that I didn't win that Steeler game just disgraceful that they couldn't cover with nine starters out for the Ravens a team that is undefeated no less um just unreal but the bad breaks keep coming and that's you know the life of a better all right um where are we at here on time we're okay all right let's go let's just sort of recap recap week 12 i won't take spend too much time in here but kind of quick rundown the cardinals and patriots game i know that was one of pre uh preank's picks that was his i think three point pick he took the cardinals minus one, uh one or one and a half he had them at line changed to one at game time i tried to warn people and steer them clear of this game because the patriots you don't know which patriot team you're going to get right now but i saw this this had trap written all over it of course the patriots get the last second field goal to uh burst people's bubble with that pick the kyle shanahan led 49ers i mean what he he's got to be one of the best coaches in the national football league i mean that team is kept together by duct tape, paper clips, and, 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 you know, chewing gum right now. And he gets the best of Sean McVay. They beat the Rams on another, you know, last second field goal. Had a lot of that. And they keep their playoff hopes, you know, their slim playoff hopes still alive. The Broncos, as I mentioned earlier, they started a wide receiver at quarterback in Kendall Hinton, practice squad guy. Um, I feel bad for him, truly, because he had zero chance to succeed. He finished one for nine, get this, one for nine, 13 yards passing, and two interceptions. Guys, he had more interceptions than he did completions. First time that's happened since the 1998 Chargers with Ryan Leaf under center. The Saints, they did not look great in this one, and yet they still won 31-3. Just proves how great they've been getting it done with Taysom Hill, no less. And now let's go by the numbers real quick. We'll start off with 359. Patrick Mahomes had 359 passing yards in the first half of the Chiefs' victory over the Bucks. According to Elias, that's the most by a player in the first half of a regular 
excuse me, of the first half of a regular season game in the past 40 seasons or 40 years. Peyton Manning had 361 yards in the first half of a playoff game versus the Broncos in 2004. Next up, 269. Tyreek Hill had 13 receptions for 269 yards and three touchdowns against the Bucs for those keeping track. That equated to about 60 fantasy points, depending on, you know, your type of scoring and what league you're in. Just absolutely ridiculous. 50,000 Aaron Rodgers moved past the 50,000 career passing yards mark. He is just the 11th quarterback to do so. It was also his 10th game with at least three touchdowns against the Bears, moving him ahead of Brett Favre for the most such games against the Bears in NFL history. Next up, let's talk Carson Wentz and the numbers, and they're not good. Um, he has 15 interceptions. That is the most in the league. 46 sacks, also the most in the league. You get where I'm going here. 95 off-target incompletions. Again, most in the league. The former number two overall pick, remember it went Jared Goff and then Carson Wentz. He now ranks 27th in ESPN's QBR. That's slightly ahead of the following guys. Nick Foles. Nick Mullins, Drew Locke, and Sam Darnold. Uh, and where did the Eagles go from here? I'm really not sure. He's owed a lot of money, but it all, in my opinion, depends on management. If they decide to retain Doug Peterson or not, that could determine the future of Carson Wentz in Philly, but it's looking bleak as of right now. And finally, let's uh, play some highlight reel tape of some of the best offensive and defensive touchdowns in this past week. We've got some uh, Thanksgiving Day ones, too, as well on here. So take a listen. Yards against Carolina. They put up seven. It is J.J. who pulls it down and takes it home. My goodness, he makes another huge play on Thanksgiving. Here's a play made by the defense for the touchdown. Montez Sweat. Cousins hit on third down, lost the football. Panthers have it and will score. It's taken into the end zone by Jeremy Chin for his first NFL touchdown. It's the Panthers in the lead. On first down, it's Cook. Jeremy Chin's uncle is the Hall of Fame safety, oh, oh, Steve Atwater. I, I, I think he stripped that. Here's Chin again. They didn't blow the whistle. No whistle. It's intercepted and picked off on the play. This is Deion Jones. He'll take it all the way. Oh, what a change of events. Field goal to win it. Start at midfield. Allen in trouble. Ball is out as he's sacked. Bounding around. It's covered by the Giants. And the Giants are going to win this ball game and move into... Goff to throw. Hit as he throws and it's intercepted. It's another 49er takeaway. That's the rookie Kibblaw into the end zone. 49er touchdown. He's here trailing by 11. Ball is out. Rams have it. It's a takeaway. And Oz way to the end zone. Donald forced this fumble. Look Absolutely. At this. Now it's third and 17. Another big rush from Gary. Trubisky lost the ball. It's scooped by Preston Smith, who takes it in for the Green Bay defensive touchdown. GP of the league a year ago. Third and four. Griffin's throw is an interception. That was an easy one to take back for the touchdown. Joe Hayden. Hayden read it, took it, and put the Steelers on the board. Yeah, real quick, um, there was a lot of defensive touchdowns. That guy, Jeremy Chin, the rookie for the Carolina Panthers. First player, Scott Hansen said on Red Zone, their stats guys tried to look this up. He's the first player that they, you know, there was, there was uh, somebody he mentioned that scored in, twice in the same quarter as a defensive player. 
but nobody ever until this guy Chin scored on back to back plays. It's just one of those, honestly, it's like once in a lifetime uh, thing. He was in the right place at the right time and he was able to get it done. Uh, now here's some awesome touchdowns on the offensive side of the football. Good maneuvering by Latavius Murray. What a move and a score. Here's Lickley thrown that time, and here he is from the pocket. Going underneath. Going to Ronald Jones. High stepping it down the sideline. Did he stay in? Touchdown. In Wisconsin. There's McSorley firing at his own. A chance for the run by Hollywood Brown. Coming back inside the 20. Brown, a good move, and he will score. So yeah, some really uh, interesting games, some crazy scores, but um, yeah, those were some of the some of the highlights there. Okay, now, now we can get into the recap from the newest segment on this show, which is our picks segment. We pick three games. You have one valued at one point, another one valued at two points, and a third valued at three points. Your three-pointer is your most confident pick. Two-pointer, yeah, not bad. And then your one-pointer is the one you're least confident in, but still think that it's a good pick. So we'll start in order and go with Nick's picks. And I said I could not believe he was touching this game. You guys, you heard me. The evidence is in. The proof is in the pudding. Go listen back to episode 121, and you will know that I said I cannot believe that he was I, I I I still as of right now as I'm sitting here I'm a bit speechless because um the fact that he not only picked that game but he took Indy what was he thinking <laughs> Nick taking Indy in an absolute blowout is just it's fitting for what this season has been because I'm sure he's not the only one that did that. 45-26, they just got absolutely destroyed. Then guess what? He took Minnesota minus three and a half, and we all know it. Minnesota, what they go, like 80 yards for a uh, game winner, but guess what? He didn't cover the three and a half. They only beat the Panthers by one, by one, so... That was his one-pointer. His two-pointer didn't get either one. And his three-point pick, the Broncos. But like I said, to be fair, he picked the Broncos before they announced that there would be no quarterback starting for this game. His final tally, zero points in his first week trying this. That is not a good start. Now we will recap myself. For my one-point pick, I had the Giants at minus six and a half. I had the Do uh, the Dolphins at minus seven against the Jets, and I had the Steelers at seven and a half. So the Giants were covering the entire game, and then of course at the very end, Brandon Allen they get a touchdown and they only win the game by two. Uh, the Dolphins, my two-point pick, they covered easily twenty to three against my New York Jets. And then I had, of course, the Steelers. I got the Steelers. I locked this in at, you know, minus seven and a half. And then, you know, I bet on it at six and a half and even still couldn't cover. Um, the final spread going in was ten and a half. That didn't hit as either. Um, only the Dolphins covered for me. Uh, so that's final tally, two points. For Preank's picks, he had the um, his three picks were the, um, he had the Chiefs at minus three and a half. They didn't cover. He also had the, um, he had the Seahawks, I believe, at, f I want to say four and a half or something like that. And then he got his two point pick. I forget, uh, I forget what all three of his picks were. Um, I know we had the Chiefs. I know we had the Seahawks. 
And, oh, the Cardinals were his three-point pick at one and a half. So he didn't hit that, and he just got his two-point pick. So me and Priyank tied at two points, Nick trailing us by two, headed into week 13. And this week, we're going to do something different. I'm going to start the show, and I am going to start with my week 13 picks right now. And I'm going to do a little bit of what Nick did last week with the the confidence, the arrogance, the air. Well, he ain't going to have too much of that this week. Uh, Cue the NFL Network theme music, and let's go. We're talking Ant's pick. No, we're talking the Pody's picks for week 13. My one-point pick this week... I could have went in a lot of directions, looked at all these games, but I'm playing it safe this week. Give me the Packers minus eight and a half over the Philadelphia Eagles. Ladies and gentlemen, the Philadelphia Eagles are in shambles right now. They are a team that is bad, and I think that they're going to blow this team up at the end of the season. There's not much thought to go into this. The Packers, I should have taken them over the Bears last week. Not going to fall for that this week. I am going to take the Packers, especially since the Eagles um, needed a Hail Mary and two-point conversion to cover last week. Like, that's not happening. My two-point pick, I've got the Steelers getting seven over the Redskins. Okay, Washington football team there. Steelers coming off a really bad performance on Wednesday. This game's Monday at 5 p.m. A lot of uh, changes with schedule because, you know, last week with them. Um, Mike Tomlin let his team know. He lit into them. He was not happy with their performance. So I expect the Steelers to come back strong with a vengeance and cover this seven points. They are not going to lose their first game of the season anytime soon and especially not in this game and drum roll please my three-point pick this week is going to be the new orleans saints minus three over the atlanta falcons last week i was heavy on the raiders had them in two parlays against those falcons and they got destroyed. Not happening this this week. The New Orleans Saints, third best record in the NFL. They are nine and two. Not only is it the third best record in the league, they're one of the best teams in the NFL. They didn't look great against the Broncos, but guess what? They still, when you look up the scoreboard, they still blew them out 31 to three. Plus, over the last two years, the Saints are seven and zero against the spread without Drew Brees. Falcons coming off that upset win in which they put up 40-plus. And Julio is a little bit banged up. He's, I think, questionable. Probably going to play in this one. Not, you know, not not too concerned with that. I think that this is an easy lock. The Saints are only three-point favorites. I believe because of what we just saw with the Falcons putting up over 40 points in a, a game that they were not expected to win. Lock it in. Those are my three picks. Let's get it. Let's go, baby. And now we will go with Nick's picks. What's up, everybody? I'm Nick, and this is Nick's picks for the week. We're going to start off by saying nobody gets anything right the first time they try. And I hope that all of my listeners last week who may have tailed me didn't actually think I was going to go 3-0. and because obviously the opposite happened and I lost every matchup I predicted. I obviously did not see the Broncos having to start a undrafted rookie wide receiver at quarterback, but no excuses. We're going to do better this week. Cue the NFL primetime music because here we go. For my one point pick this week, I'm going to be taking the Buffalo Bills plus one at the San Francisco 49ers. Anytime the Bills are plus odds, many of us betters light up with joy. The Bills are in the hunt for an AFC East Division title, but they need to get past the Red Hot 49ers, who are coming off a huge win against the Rams that nobody saw coming. Nick Mullins is getting the star for a quarterback for the 49ers, and they have a bolstered offense with the return of Raheem Mostert and rookie wide receiver Brandon Ayuk coming back. 
the Bills are one of the most efficient offenses in football, which is why I'm leaning towards them in this matchup. And their only better team on third downs in the NFL is the Kansas City Chiefs. This game is probably going to come down to one possession in the final minute or two of the game. I predict a very close matchup between these two, hence my one-point gamble on this matchup with the Bills plus one. For my two-point play this week, I'm going to go with the Tennessee Titans minus five and a half at home against the Browns. The Browns are ninth best against the run in the NFL defense ranked, but they're, they give up the 12th most points per game. The line started at six and it's moved to five and a half. I expect that to either go down to five or even go as low as four and a half with the Browns being slight underdogs, but I give the Titans the edge in this one. Derrick Henry showing why he is the most feared running back in the NFL, but the Browns are going to come in with two of their own legit running backs in the backfield. I think this game boils down to what Tannehill can do for the Titans versus what Baker Mayfield can do, and I give the edge to Ryan Tannehill, who doesn't star in cheesy progressive commercials. For my three-point pick of the week, this might come off as yet again another three-point pick shocker, but trust me when I say this, I'm taking the Washington football team plus seven at the Steelers Monday night football. Technically not really Monday night, but it is December. It might be nighttime by five o'clock. We'll see if the Redskins have what it takes. I'm taking the skins. Sorry, I'm taking the Washington football team. Can I get an F in the chat if you've done that any time this year calling the Washington football team the R word? They're coming off a total beatdown of the Dallas Cowgirls on Thanksgiving Day. Antonio Gibson ran it 20 times, 115 yards, and three scores. He also caught five catches for 21 yards. He's proving to be one of the more explosive running backs in the league. And may I add, he's not even a real running back. He was a slot-wide receiver for the longest time. They transitioned him to running back, and he's having immediate success in the pros. The Steelers are going to be a good matchup for them, but their linebacking core just had a loss of Bud Dupree on their, when they beat the Ravens on Wednesday night, suffering a torn ACL, and he's going to be out for the year. Washington runs a bunch of pro set formations utilizing their dual threats at running back. I like the matchup to favor Washington. Take them plus seven. And those are my picks of the week. All right, I'm going to leave the comments for the end, and here's Priyank's picks. Hey, it's Pri, and I'm back with my Week 13 picks. For my one-point pick, I'm picking the Raiders to beat the Jets by 8.5. The Raiders have been putting up 30-something points uh, in back-to-back weeks, even against the Chiefs, and they had a poor performance against uh, the Atlanta Falcons. I know they were away, so that could have added to it too, but... I think they bounce back and put a whooping on the Jets. Uh, the Jets, they couldn't even keep it close with the Dolphins. Uh, it seems like with Darnold under center, they're even worse uh, in terms of their offense. Uh, I just don't see it. I don't see them covering eight and a half at all. So Raiders, minus eight and a half. For my two-point pick, I'm picking the Patriots over the Chargers. I'm giving Patriots a point and a half. Uh, Patriots have a winning streak against the Chargers uh, every time they play them. Uh, Chargers seem to lose these close games, even even at home. I don't think that makes a difference. And uh, the Patriots were able to beat the Cardinals last week, which is pretty impressive. Uh, I was dead wrong about that pick. But, you know, I'm giving them credit here. I think they can pull in a win here. Yeah, I know they're traveling across the nation, but I think they can do it. And my three-point pick is Pittsburgh Steelers, minus seven against Washington football team. Now, credit has to be given to Washington for putting up that 41-point performance on Thanksgiving Day. Plus, they're coming in with the added rest over the Steelers this upcoming week. I'll give them that. But, you know, I feel like they have to come back down to earth here. They're not going to do that against the Steelers at Steelers. Uh, The Steelers, you know, they're already agitated with everything that's been going on with the NFL against them. Having to play, having to move these games over and over, losing their bye week, shifting it to another week. You know, I, I think they they pull out the win here over the Washington football team and beat them by a touchdown or so. And those are my three picks. The the Raiders for one point, Patriots for two point, and uh, the Steelers for three points. All right. Well, 
turn off that music. There you have it. Those are Priyank's three picks. Those are Nick's three picks. There is only one overlapping game. That's me and Priyank taking the Pittsburgh Steelers. Interestingly enough, that is my, excuse me, that is my two-point pick. That's his three-point pick. He did make a good point there. The Redskins, because um, we use the R word here. Actually, no, we all three picked that game, but Nick took the Redskins. Me and Priyank are taking the Steelers here. And yes, we do use the R word on this week in sports. I'm sorry. I'm not for any of that foo-foo uh, stuff. Um, I think that it is until uh, until they officially come up with a new team name, I will call them the Redskins. You've heard it here plenty of times. If you don't like it, uh, you don't have to listen um, to you know me when I talk about that team. Um, I I. You know, I could say the Washington football team. It's just, it's, it's, it's a mouthful. And I'm so used to saying Redskins, uh, like I said, until they have an actual team name. No, that's out the window. Anyway, I don't want to spend too much time dissecting his picks versus mine or this, that, the other. We'll see what happens. I'm confident enough in my picks and that Steeler and Washington game has a lot of juice on it as we've all picked it different, you know, ways, um, Back, you know, Nick picked Washington. The two of us picked the Steelers. So that should be fun. Talk a little trash and can't wait for Sunday, baby. Okay, we're going to move on. We're going to flip script and we are going to talk some college football and we're going to talk one Jarrett Patterson. Most of you, probably all of us, hadn't heard the name Jarrett Patterson before Saturday. But let me tell you, folks, you need to learn that name and you need to learn it fast because he set some incredible FBS records on Saturday in a 70-41 to 41 victory over Kent State. The Buffalo running back tied the FBS record for rushing touchdowns in a game with eight and tallied the second-highest single-game rushing total with 409 rushing yards. He would have broke both records, too, but the coaching staff, I don't know why this coach decided to take him out of the game in the final two minutes when they scored. They did end up scoring again. Of course, the record holder, who might that be? Samaji Pirine holds the record 427 rushing yards in a 2014 game against Kansas, of course, when he was a member of the Oklahoma Sooners. And then in that same season, I want to say these were like back-to-back weeks or even the same week. Melvin Gordon for Wisconsin, he ran for 408 yards against Nebraska. And TCU's LaDainian Tomlinson way back in 1999, he had a 406-point performance against UTEP. Uh, For Patterson, though, this game had a little extra meaning He wore the number 41 instead of his usual number 26. The reasoning behind that, he did that for his former teammate, uh, defensive end Solomon Jackson, who actually died of a heart-related issue back in March of 2016 after collapsing during an off-season workout. Patterson also joins Ricky Williams as the only FBS players to post consecutive 300-yard rushing performances because, yes, the week Prior, he also ran for three over 300 yards. He set an FBS record with 12 rushing touchdowns in two games while racking up an incredible 710 yards on the ground. His eight rushing touchdowns is more than 18 Power 5 teams have in the entire season. Ridiculous, 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 ridiculous. So keep an eye out for that man right there. A couple of other notable games this week, like I said, Rutgers, I'm all over against Penn State and Ohio State at Michigan uh, State. Um, They will have no Ryan Day coaching them there in that one. You've got Texas A&M, Auburn, Oklahoma State, TCU. So I did hit, I did throw a parlay bet um, on, this was just a foolish one. I took uh, alternate spread I took Alabama, excuse me, Auburn plus 31 against Alabama. They lost by 29. It was a miracle. And then the other part of that 
was what was the other part of that oh it was clemson to cover it was like minus 24 i dropped it down to like 21 and they covered pretty easily one by like 28 so that bet actually hit for like 137 bucks but then i gave it away quickly on sunday but some other excuse me some other notables you've got uh notre dame hosting syracuse you've got number 19 iowa and illinois florida tennessee uh the big one ladies and gentlemen is college game day for the first time ever will be in my neck of the woods, not really, my second neck of the woods, uh, Conway, South Carolina, right by my neck of the woods of Myrtle Beach there, and that would be Coastal Carolina, 9-0, and ranked number 18 in the country, ranked 18th in the, in the land. They were up as high as like 15, 16. They slipped a little bit. I don't know how. They're undefeated against number 13, BYU. Now, little background on this game it was supposed to be liberty coming to to coastal another ranked team in liberty Hugh freeze squad but they have an issue with covid a bit of a covid outbreak or so so they decided to bring bring in byu to take on the coastal carolina shanna claire's baby uh it should be fun i'm interested to see where game day uh positions themselves where they host it from uh because honestly wherever they go they're going to be within 20 minutes in any direction or probably probably less of where you know our our second home is there so uh, i look forward to that should be a really good game byu 10 point favorites here i actually have a couple buddies of mine my cousin that went to coastal i've talked about that in the past so uh rooting for them this is the biggest game pr practically in their history and that it's finally getting they're getting the national recognition that they deserve um you got also oregon playing cal uh, Clemson eight and one now they're up to number three they're playing uh, Virginia Tech that should be easy light work there for them and Trevor Lawrence you got uh, Miami uh, on the road at Duke Oklahoma hosting Baylor uh, you got Alabama LSU that should be very intriguing okay of course LSU reigning national champs lost a million players to the draft so they're just having a a down year at three and four in alabama sitting as number one and they should get nick saban back baby and then you've got usc in the nightcap uh against washington state not the nightcap that's actually at 7 30 the alabama us uh the alabama lsu game is the uh nine o'clock game doesn't appear like there's a 10 o'clock game this week so that's my college football uh analysis and recap Okay, let's talk some college basketball. I want to wrap this thing up uh, pretty quickly in the next uh, 10, 15 minutes or so. We've got uh, to talk about the Maui Invitational, normally played in where? Maui, Hawaii, of course, right? But COVID time, so guess where this was being played? Asheville, North Carolina. And we saw number 17, Texas, taking on number 14, UNC, in the finals. And in the last few seconds... Texas guard Matt Coleman hits the step back jumper to lift Texas over UNC. Roy Williams now one and eight against the Longhorns as head coach of the Tar Heels. Just shocking. On Wednesday, we had two premier matchups in the Champions Classic. Michigan State Duke and Kansas Kentucky. We'll start with Michigan State where they outlasted Duke by a final of 75 to 69 at Cameron Indoor, no less. Why is that significant? Because it's just the third time under Coach K that his Blue Devils have lost to a non-conference opponent at home. Although I don't know how much weight you can, you know, put on this one without fans being there. Uh, for Sparty, it's their first win ever at Cameron Indoor. They were previously 0-3. Kansas, they bounce back, outlasting uh, Kentucky after losing their season opener to number one Gonzaga. The Jayhawks bouncing back, redeem themselves against Kentucky by way of a 65-62 win. This one was a close one. Uh, the number seven Jayhawks, they battle back down by as many as 13 to knock off the number 20 Wildcats. Not the direction you want to go if you're John Calipari. They shot 0 for 10 from 3 in a loss to Richmond last weekend. 
and it was more of the same on Tuesday. This team won't go anywhere come tourney time if they can't shoot the three ball. Um, on Tuesday, they went just uh, three or Wednesday, three for 21 from beyond the arc. Yikes. For the season, they're now shooting 19% from deep. 19%. Wow, 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 wow. Talk a little Jimmy V classic, of course, from December 1st to the 12th. It is Jimmy V week, um, which is very special. Jim Valvano, of course, he died um, of cancer, and they've got the Jimmy V. And, of course, obviously, Stuart Scott. We've lost some greats in the sporting world, so Jimmy V week is always the best. Um, of course, his speech, don't give up, don't ever give up, and we continue to fight for cancer research Jimmy V Foundation has raised, I want to say, like over $250 million for cancer research. Um, it's awesome. And one day, one day we'll get there. But as for the Jimmy V Classic, number one, Gonzaga, they outlast number 11, West Virginia, 87 to 82. Their prized freshman guard, Jalen Suggs, everybody in Zag Nation was holding their breath because he went down with a scary looking ankle Achilles type injury in the first half somehow he you know was able to return uh with the win mark few now moves to eight and three all time against ranked big 12 teams and speaking of big 12 teams that are ranked number two baylor they pull away from number five illinois 82 69 you know what's weird i'm almost feeling like this sense of deja vu because i'm pretty sure last year gonzaga and baylor were ranked one and two when the season uh, got put on the shelf with COVID, so it just feels eerily similar. Uh, the Bears received 54 combined points from their guard quartet of Adam uh, Flagler, uh, Masio Teague, Davion Mitchell, and Jared Butler. As for Io DeSunmo, uh, the venerable lottery pick for Illinois, he was held to a season-low 18 points on 6 of 18 shooting. And guess what? If you are a Hoops fan... Tomorrow, meaning today because it's after midnight, 1 p.m. on CBS, number one Zags versus number two. I mean, yeah, well, Baylor is taking on Gonzaga, one versus two. Um, and I got to uh, Yeah, I just wanted to check the spread. Uh, Gonzaga is uh, favored by one and a half, and... I might punch that. I might, that might be, that might be an early bet for tomorrow afternoon when that game tips off. I'm liking Z Gonzaga. Um, I don't think Baylor can hang with them like at all. Um, I think it'd be close, but I, I, I like Gonzaga. So I, you know what? I might throw some money on that one. Uh, real quick, let's talk Luca Garza, the big man for Iowa. He did not win national player of the year last season. That honor went to Dayton's Obi Toppin. Of course, drafted by the Knicks with the eighth, eighth overall pick. Um, Garza does not appear to, he ain't playing second fiddle to anybody this season. And I hate, I hate this guy's guts, but I got to give him credit where credit is due. Back to back games, Garza put up 30 points in the first half alone of each game. He's averaging 27.3 points per game in the first half. Okay, 19 straight 20-plus point games, tying the longest streak by a major conference player over the last 20 years. He passed Matt Gattins, or Gatons for eighth all-time on Iowa's career scoring list. Iowa entered the season ranked number five in the preseason poll, which is their highest ranking in program history. They're now up to number three, and Garza is the reason, the only reason. Uh, in their last game, he outscored Western Illinois 30-26 to in the first half alone. He's, he has scored uh, 76 points over his last two games, more than any Big Ten player over a two-game span in the last 10 seasons. His 102 points this year are the most by a D1 player through his team's first three games over the last 10 seasons. Just absolutely ridiculous. Garza and the Hawkeyes are next in action on Tuesday, I believe, when they will face off against North Carolina in the ACC Big Ten Challenge. I can't wait for Rutgers to face them um, in uh, first Saturday of January. 
Rutgers has a couple of solid big men, and that should be an interesting one. He got the best of them last season, but uh, yeah, wow, um, has he been going off. All right, let's flip the script, talk a little NBA real quick. Lakers and LeBron James, they agreed to a two-year, $85 million max extension. Uh, wow, that's a lot of money, a lot of cheddar. Uh, this will take him through the 2022-23 season, making that his uh, 20th in the NBA. And I know he's talked about wanting to team up and play with his son in Bronny uh, Jr. or Bronny James. Um, so if, if that happens, wow, uh, that would be something else. Following suit right after LeBron, no surprise here either. I don't think Anthony Davis re-signing with the Lakers five year, $190 million max deal. Um, it does include an early termination option ahead of the 2024, 25 season, which would be the fifth year of the deal. Uh, that makes four guaranteed seasons, at least. That locks Davis in with the Lakers through his 31st birthday. Of course, you know, the Lakers trying to run it back. They just won a championship. Why would you leave, of course? We did have a blockbuster trade this week that saw the Rockets shipping Russell Westbrook off to the Washington Wizards for John Wall and a first-round pick. Swap of superstars here. Um, so going to the Rock, the Rockets get John Wall in a first round pick, and Westbrook reunites with his former coach, Scotty Brooks, with Washington. This was a no-brainer for the Wizards. Okay. John Wall on the flip side hasn't played in about two years. Okay. It will be two years in on like December 26th or something like that, right? And the season starts on the 22nd. So Roughly two years, okay? And he's coming off a major left heel injury, number one, and a ruptured left Achilles. Who knows what type of player, the caliber, you're going to get from uh, John Wall. Nobody knows. Houston, they're, we assume they're going to be now in full rebuild, even though Harden is still technically under contract. It seems like only a matter of when, not if, he gets traded, okay? And uh, one quick note stipulation here on this first round pick that Houston is receiving alongside John Wall. It is a lottery protected pick for the 2023 draft. So next year's draft, I mean, uh, excuse me, next year's draft, uh, the 2023 draft in a couple of years. But if the Wizards don't finish in the lottery that year, then it becomes it moves on to the next year, so 2024, and it will fall between picks 1 and 12. Again, still, if the Wizards don't finish 1 through 12, because, hey, with Westbrook, they, they, you know, they might make a push at the playoffs here. If they don't finish 1 through 12, then it becomes pick 1 through 10 in 2025 and pick 1 through 8 in 2026. If it hasn't conveyed a first-round pick by 2026, it becomes a second round pick in each of 2026 and 2027. This is not great if you're Houston at all, because I could very well see a scenario where this happens and they end up screwing themselves out of a first round pick. Just shocking. Okay, I suppose I have to mention this. Um, Leangelo Ball, the third ball brother has signed an exhibition 10 deal with the Detroit Pistons. It's a one-year non-guaranteed contract. So now all three Ball brothers are now in the NBA. Yay for that, I guess. Just more LeVar Ball talking nonsense, expecting us to believe that this is all his doing um, and his shenanigans. Uh, I'm done with that. Latest thing I saw on this boob is that he wants Michael Jordan to bring all three of his sons to the Charlotte Hornets to win him multiple championships and make him like the greatest owner, uh, you know, in, in the land. Uh, just the clown show, this guy. All right, we move on to something. I'm, I've am i never been this excited for this sport before. Actually, last Saturday, I kind of was pretty excited and it uh, kind of fell flat with the Mike Tyson deal. But boxing, that's right. Tomorrow night or now tonight, 
we have one of the most anticipated fights in a long time, especially definitely this year. I'm talking about the world welterweight champion, Errol Spence Jr. versus Danny Garcia. So if you don't know who Errol Spence is, because uh, not going to lie, I really didn't know much about him. Errol Spence is a local kid from Long Island. He's 26-0 and with 21 knockouts. But there's one question everybody is asking themselves. So 14 months ago, uh, approximately 2.47 in the morning, Spence was driving his car in, I think, like downtown Dallas. And it's caught all on camera. You could YouTube it and watch a video. This Ferrari he's driving flips out of control and starts spinning down the road. And just parts are flying everywhere. You can't really see on the video, but Spence himself is apps is actually thrown from this vehicle. Uh, his buddy was driving behind him, was able to stop. They got an ambulance and everything, and he was in the ICU. Somehow, miraculously, did not sustain any broken bones or any any crazy damage. But the question is, what kind of damage did you know? Did he sustain mentally? How will he manage coming back from that, you know, near-death experience? You know, he's facing a former champ in Danny Garcia as well for his first fight back in 14 months. That's, you know, that's interesting. He's got a lot of confidence that he thinks he's going to win. Um, I mean, 26-0, and 0, that's freaking amazing. And uh, his last fight was against Sean Porter, I believe is the guy's name. And that was a decision, one of his five decision fights. And it was a tough one. And he almost lost it, but he didn't. He won. Porter did, in fact, though, beat uh, Danny Garcia. So that's why Spence is still heavily favored in this fight. But man, I am really looking forward to this, honestly. Um, this will be fought. There, this is This is where it gets interesting. This will be in Jerry World, AT&T Stadium, and there will be fans. So I don't know if that will, you know, give these fighters some extra oomph, that extra juice that they need to, to pull through. I'm curious to see his stamina and whatnot as well, if he's tired to out. But I'm looking forward to this. And, you know, here's just a little a little preview, a, a, a little taste, if you will. I am pumped for this fight. I don't really pay attention to boxing, but honest to goodness, I am really pumped for this fight. I think it's going to be a great comeback story. And oh man, I'm just I'm I'm just licking my chops because I I'm really intrigued by this fight. Okay, last but not least, on this date in sports, December fifth, because I could I could say that now because it actually is December fifth. 2016. I know this is, you know, a bit of a tough one, but we're talking Clay Thompson becoming the first player in the shot clock era to score 60 points in under 30 minutes. 60 points in 29 minutes, three seconds. He sat the entire fourth quarter. And unfortunately, for the second year in a row, we will not be graced with his presence. The second half of the Splash Brothers will not be on the court as he recovers from an, uh, just a devastating Achilles injury that was sustained a couple of weeks ago. We wish him the best. You know, um, we wish him a full and speedy recovery. I'm sure he's going to be talking to Kevin Durant about that. Um, but yeah, 
that's it, guys. That's really all I have. Where are we at here? About a minute and five. Um, I'll leave you with this. You know, enjoy your weekend. Stay healthy. All that good stuff. Weather here sucks. Watch some sports. Win some money. And I leave you with this. Get ready for the weekend as Marshawn Lynch gets ready for football games. Take care, everybody. Enjoy your weekend. I will see you back here next week to go over my picks.